Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today and nearly 14 years. Hard to believe it's been going on that long, but uh, glad to be with you here on every Saturday morning. Today we're not live, but we are having a special session today, just a real special treat. Uh, Bart Bryant is joining me on the phone today from Florida. Bart is a PGA Professional Tour winner, and uh, we're going to find out what he thinks about money, maybe what influenced him in his early years about money, and uh, and a bunch of other things. So welcome to the microphone, Bart. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good to be here. Yeah, it's always great to have you. It's, uh, we met uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess, now at the NCCAA Pro-Am, and that was a blast to, to play with you. And uh, and then I've got to know you a good bit better since that time. So you won the 2004 Texas Open, the 2005 Memorial Tournament, the 2005 Tour Championship, and of course uh, other tournaments since then. But that's when you really hit your hit your stride. It, it sounds like in, in the in the the way uh, the golf goes sometimes, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, as you know. But we're, and we're going to talk a lot about your your attitude, philosophies of money. But I want our listeners to really get to know you some first. So I've got a, a little audio I want to play. It's just a couple minutes long, but it's uh, it's an audio from when you were um, being interviewed after the tour championship. So uh, let's let's play that. We'll give people a flavor for what uh, what events have happened in your life in the past. So Paul, let it rip. Best week of Bart Bryant's career. He wins the 2005 Tour Championship, sets the tournament record. Ties Tom Lehman for a six-shot win. And his wife, Kathy, and daughters, Kristen and Michelle. Wait for a very happy congratulations. Age 42, you know, we mentioned his brother, Brad, who had also won on tour. And the elbow surgeries and the time through Q school and all that stuff. Bart had anything to say earlier this week. He said that he and Brad, if one of them's going well in an event, they don't speak. But undoubtedly, the first phone call is from the other one to say way to go. And Bart's cell phone is ringing right now. You can be sure of that. With Brad, two off. years ago, would you believe you won three tournaments in the last 14 months when you've been a tour champion? <laughs> Not at all. This uh, goes so far beyond all my expectations. It's it's just amazing. It's a, it's a real dream come true, and there's a lot of people that have been supporting me for a long time that deserve this. How do you explain this? Maybe a little maturity, a little bit of confidence, and throwing a little bit of luck. I don't know. It's, uh, I, like I said, I certainly have a lot of people who have uh, believed in me for a long time, and I think I started buying into their belief, and uh, you know, I got a little confidence, a little momentum, and that's what sports is, you know, is getting some momentum. Can you be honest with me and tell you? What you were feeling when the tee shot at the sixth hole hit the bank and came back in the water? And my heart sank there. You know, it's funny because, you know, Retief at first and hit a nine iron, and I just didn't feel like I could hit nine iron. So I went with the eight, and I couldn't commit to that shot, and I chunked it ever so slightly. But I still thought it was fine. I, I was really surprised to see it come up short, but my heart really sank at that point. And uh, I think the putt on that hole was, may have been the putt of the day. Okay, Bart, that was uh, some interesting play-by-play there, a little bit of what's going on. And one thing that they didn't mention, I was looking at uh, even the memorial from before this, and I thought that was even the the shot he talked about here on uh, hole six, I think he said it was, that went that went yeah. short. Um, and I look back at the uh, memorial, which you won previously, and it, uh, you had a one-shot lead coming to the 18th hole, 
and you hit, uh, I think, a five wood or something, and it and it went through the fairway down in right next to the water. I fully expected you to be one of those guys that you know to- took your shoes and socks off and pulled up your pant legs and went in there and hit it. Um, but you took a drop. Talk us, walk us through that one too. That was a pretty interesting uh, shot as well. Yeah, you know, I was I was coming down the stretch and it, it became kind of a two man race between Fred Couples and I and. I just hooked that shot a little bit too much. The course was playing really firm and fast, rolled through the fairway. And, you know, it's funny when they show the bird's eye view or you see it, you know, on TV, you couldn't see how severe the slope was that I was on. So yeah, I've yeah. had a couple other people say, why did you get down there and, and hit that thing? But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, Jack Jack made the call from the booth and he said he he's not going to try to hit that. And, you know, I dropped it. And, um, you know, having a one-shot lead, I, I knew that if I could still – you know, bogey the hole, I'd have a good chance of getting a playoff. Or if Fred bogeyed the hole, you know, I'd win outright. Right. Um, but, you know, I hit, you know, I hit a great shot in there, six iron, took my drop, hit a six iron to about 17 feet above the hole. And then this, you know, ha- happened to hit one of those miracle putts that caught the left edge and fell in. And so I made a par anyways and was able to pull out the victory by one. But, uh, yeah. you know, what a great feeling. And it's funny, in both those wins, I had, I had that moment where, you know, I hit it in the water. Like I said, a whole six. They, they mentioned that at the tour championship, and then of course hitting it in the water um, on you know 18 there at Jack's place. But you know that that's the funny thing. You're always going to have some adversities uh, coming down the stretch, and just how well are you going to handle them? And you know both those weeks, I just you know it's kind of my time. I was able to handle the adversity well and kind of turn it around. I made a really good putt there at the tour championship on six when I hit it in the water to save a bogey and sometimes saving a bogey is bigger than making a birdie. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that's just golf. And sometimes, it, you know, your tour time, you're hanging in there. You, you got the drilling going and, and the good vibes. And I did both those weeks and luckily it worked out well for me both times. Yeah. And that, and I think that um, bodes well just for life. I mean, the life is the same way. It's how well you pick yourself up and you move on. Cause everybody's going to have uh, hiccups and issues in life that, uh, that aren't exactly what they had planned, uh, maybe not anything near like they planned, and it's how you recoup on those things. So back to the Tour Championship, just to remind everybody, keep it in perspective. So Tiger Woods was more in his hate. I don't know how Tiger old Tiger Woods would have been back then, um, but he would have been a, a, the younger Tiger, and uh, you got him by six strokes that day, so you were really in the zone. I did, yeah. I was, just, you know, it was one of those weeks, and, I got to play with Ratif Goose in the last three days. I was leading all three days, and he was uh, either tied or behind me all three days. So I didn't, you know, I didn't have to tear uh, tear Tiger down in that final round. Yeah, yeah. Tiger was in, in the group ahead, you know. But to beat Tiger by six was really special, and for him to be the runner-up, you know, was something else. And it's it's funny to this day, you know, I speak to kids and. And they're like, oh, you played the PJ Tour. That's really cool. Did you ever play a Tiger Woods? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I played a Tiger several times. And they're like, well, did you ever beat Tiger? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I beat Tiger by six in the Tour Championship one time. And they're like, you beat Tiger? No way. So to, to, this, to, this, to this day, even to the young kids, he's still the needle pusher. And, uh, you know, to win on the PJ Tour is cool. But if you beat, you know, if you beat Tiger Woods, that was even much cooler. So, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So that was. You know, it was just, it was a great week and, uh, you know, I had everything going for me. The course was, was firm and fast, which is really good for me. And the rough is extremely high. I've always been a little bit of a short hitter. Uh, but you know, the, the, 
the way the course is playing the conditions was very conducive for my game. And I was on, I was making putts, driving it well. Yeah, so yeah. it was just one of those dream weeks and to win by six and to do it over Tiger was, you know, it's kind of a cool storyline for me, obviously. Yeah, sure. Now that's the same tournament that they now call the FedEx Cup, right? I mean, it's the tour championship. Is that the that's same? That's right. They actually, right. yeah, you know, it's just it's not fun. worth $15 it's, million dollars then. <laughs> No, it's funny. I wish it would have been. You know, I, uh, <laughs> under the same system that we have now, I would have finished second uh, in the fact that to Tiger Woods, he would have still won because he okay. had good enough speed. Okay. Uh, but I would have finished second, and that would have been a cool little five million payday anyway. So, but uh, yeah, they started right after the uh, year I won the Tour Championship. Actually, two years later, they started that in '07, and I won in '05. Well, of course. So one thing when I was looking at that video replay of uh, and the summary of those championships at the very end, it, this is something obviously you must have had some input on putting it together because at the very end they the it shows a Bible verse Psalm one hundred six one uh, which goes give thanks to the Lord for He is good His love endures forever so that was at the very end of that clip where they were talking about your wins and I thought that was pretty neat that you had that. At the end of that, of course, you were playing a Christian song through the whole whole thing, and so not sure who put that together, who you had put that together, but it was pretty special. So we get back, we're going to talk some more about um, uh, you know what it's like playing on the tour and so forth, and uh, get to know you a little bit better. But uh, of course, we have to take that break. So we'll be back with more of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now, back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. We are not a sales show like most financial planning uh, talk shows that you'll hear on the radio, pretty much any station. We're not here to sell anything. But today we're taking a little break from some of the more technical type financial planning topics that we usually discuss and we're talking with Bart Bryant, so PGA professional, tour winner, and uh, just a great guy, a good Christian guy that I've gotten to know here over the last couple of years. And we're talking about, uh, if you missed the earlier part of Talking Money, we were talking about uh, his wins at Memorial and the Tour Championship back in 2005. And I was referring to the video that uh, I was looking at in preparation for talking with Bart today. And so, Bart, you said there's a kind of interesting story of uh, putting that together. Yeah, you know, you know, my career, I was a journeyman for, for so long and I did not win my first event until I was actually in my forties. But I had so many good friends, um, so many, uh, close people that, you know, my wife was on staff at First Baptist Church in Windermere for, for quite a while. And, uh, so we just had so many neat friends 
church friends, friends from the community and people who had prayed for me, who had cried for me and, and you know, yeah, been with me in the been with me in the trenches for so long. And then I had this kind of breakout two years, oh four and oh five. And I was talking to my manager, a, a real, really close friend of mine. And I said, Hey, I want to do something cool for these people. And, uh, he said, well, what we need to do is just a celebration of gratitude party. And that's, and that's really what it was. I just hosted this party and we probably had, you know, maybe a hundred people there, a few more. And so one of my really good friends who's a techie geek put that video together that you're talking about and they showed the video at the party. And, uh, so we just had like a really cool three hour party and ate some great food, but had a program and just talked about, you know, what God had done in our lives over the course of our, of our life. And of course, Kathy was there with me at the time. And we had the two girls that are a little bit younger at, at that time. But um, we had just a really cool time of just celebration and gratitude to God for what he accomplished, you know, in my professional life, in my personal life, in Kathy and I's life, church life. And uh, those people were all a part of it. So we just had this really cool celebration of gratitude party. And, and my good friend put that video together, and he did an excellent job. Yeah, I would agree with that. And if anybody wants to listen or see that, it's it makes a, a lot bigger impact when you actually see the video as opposed to just listening to the audio, audio that I played earlier in the, the program today. But if you can just uh, Google search uh, for Bart Bryant uh, on, on YouTube, there's several of them there. And I don't remember how I identified this particular one, but it talks about the 04 and 05 champ, or maybe it's just the 05 Memorial and the um, – Tour Championship, I think this video just covers those things. It gives highlights of it and shows the shots you're making and things like that. I think it's it's pretty special. So uh, I would encourage you listeners to to go do a search for that. So the, I, I noticed the announcers kept saying uh, that you finally started, started believing the people who told you to believe in yourself and believe in your abilities. And you kind of referred to that just a, a few minutes ago. Um, and and that's that's important there again for life as well, don't you think? Ah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He, uh, you know, I had a, the guy who taught me or that I was working with at the time, Brian Mogg, um, you know, he, we worked hard on my mental game as well. And, you know, if you have, if you have this second, I'll tell this quick story if we're okay sure. with it. But Brian and Brian got, at the end of the year, we had stats on the PGA tour. So we had greens and regulation, fairways hit, proximity to the pin, all these kinds of stats. And he pulled up four sheets of paper. And we looked through the different through the different stats, and, and he said, "Tell me where this guy should be on the money list." And he said, "Tell me where this guy should be on the money list." And, and I went and I looked at the stats, and I said, "Okay, this guy should be around 100. This guy should be around 50. Okay, this guy's one of the top players in the world." And so I didn't know any of the names on it, but one of one of the sheets of paper were my stats. Yeah. And and my stats are really good. And I said, "Oh, this guy's probably like." you know, 70th in the world or something. And I had just finished at that time in 03. I mean, 02, I'm, I'm not sure what year it was. I think it was 03 when we went through this process. And, and I had finished, you know, 180th on the money list or something. He goes, he goes, there's a disconnect. There's something wrong. Because when you look at your statistics, you're a much better player than what you really do. And I think I found that, you know, when I got up high enough to, uh, see my name on the leaderboard. I, I self-sabotaged to some degree. I didn't have that belief. That's where I belong. Right. And right. Uh, at some point, you know, but he convinced me that's where I belong. And also I was, you know, 40 years old. And I said, you know what, 
if now's not the time, it never will be. You've, you've got to start believing you are the player you are and, and go for it. So what? If you get to the very top and you choke your guts out, at least you, you know, you went down fighting. Yeah. So get to the top, believe it, make your, make yourself go through that process of, of not letting yourself back out. Whatever, whatever you have to do to achieve that. And, and finally in, in 04, you know, I started to kind of believe in that. I got over the hump and I got my first win. And of course that makes a big difference in the belief that you have in yourself. But, you know, I'd won many golf tournaments along the way, uh, just not in the PGA Tour arena. And so at some point I really had to start believing and start accepting the fact that, Hey, I am one of these guys. This, this is where I belong. And until you get there, it's tough. And I think that is in any sport in life, you know, maybe in money management. I, I really don't know, but you, you know, you got to believe in your ability. Sure. I think you have to have a, you know, you have to have a, a realistic view of what, of what you are. Don't underestimate, don't overestimate, sure. but have a real realistic view of what you can and can't do. And the bottom line was, I can win a PGA Tour event, but I didn't believe that. And so I need a realistic view of what I, what I could do. And once I, once I understood that, I was able to achieve that. That's great. And what's it like though? I'm playing on tour and when you're, when I'm looking at this video and the crowd's just going nuts and it's just all cheering for you. And, and probably most of them maybe didn't even have a clue who you were. And, but, but they, maybe they were pulling for the underdog or what. So what's it like walking down? I mean, to me, that's, that's got to be such a distraction. And if Tiger was actually on your particular uh, team, and you were playing right with him, that would have been even a, a bigger distraction, I guess, because uh, he would have been such an intimidating player to begin with, and all the crowd would have been, you know, pulling for him probably to, to <laughs> somehow make a comeback. Okay. But uh, what's that right. like? No doubt. You know, and we, as PGA Tour players, we're used to the crowds. Uh, this is going to sound odd, but the bigger the crowd, the the better it is and the least distracting it is. I know that sounds strange. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> If you could, if you could think about, maybe think about being in a basketball arena and shooting a free throw. Let's say there's, there's one guy behind the backboard and he's yelling and screaming at you. That guy would stand out. But when you have just a sea of people back there, you don't notice one individual. It fades into the background. So a lot of times for us, okay. it's easier to have that big crowd to have, have the wars than to have maybe 20 or 30 people walking around the green. You tend to notice a little bit more. But you know, the thing, the thing for me was whenever I had the big crowds, I was playing well. I was already in the zone anyway, you know, so I wasn't yeah. noticing much. Uh, as far as Tiger goes, um, you know, like that last day, I promise you there were a few Bart Bryant fans when we teed off. Yeah. But there were a lot, a lot of Tiger fans. But I think as the day went on and they saw what was happening, and they saw that I was building the lead. I, I recruited fans as I went. And sure. I think by the time I got, by the time I got done, they really appreciated what I accomplished. And, you know, at that time I tied the record for the largest margin of victory and lowest, and I had the record for the lowest, uh, score up to that time ever shot in the, in the, uh, tour championship. So yeah. I think, you know, I think they saw what had happened and, and they appreciated it. And I kind of won over some fans by the time I got done. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Uh, so, um, there's some more recent tournaments. The, I think it was the Dick Sporting Goods tournament back a couple of years ago. And then I was mm-hmm. looking back, uh, at the, uh, this caught my eye because of Jay Haas, uh, the 2016 Toshiba Classic that you lost. Uh, Jay had to hit a birdie on the first playoff hole to beat you that time. So that had to be real close. But of course, 
people know Jay Haas around here because that's where he's from. But uh, so you remember that tournament? And and Jay, I know remembers you because I saw him back a month or so ago and uh, asked him, and he said, "Oh yeah, I remember Bart." Uh, so what was that particular one like? Uh, yeah, that wasn't a whole lot of fun, Mike. <laughs> it was. Sorry I, to bring I, it up. It was, uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun right up till the 18th hole, which I made a bogey on on a par five. Oh. And I got the playoff, and uh, and of course Jay hit a, just an unbelievable great chip on this par five from from just a tough spot to a back pin and up to about six inches and tapped it in, and I didn't make a birdie on the hole. But now it was pretty cool and. You know, it's funny because he, you know, Brad, my older brother, and Jay are about the same age, and they dueled a lot out there. And uh, Jay always seemed to get the, the best of my brother, and I was trying to get revenge, and you know, but he took me down too. So yeah. what are you, you going to do? <laughs> that's right. It's golf. It's, it's, yeah. as, I, as I am told frequently, yeah. that's golf. Uh, so you've had, you know, uh, a lot of injuries. They were talking about that even on the the TV summaries, uh, injuries over your professional career. I know you've had some surgery recently. Uh, so uh, when we, I, I don't know if we have time to take before the break, but uh, your status now and, and how do you handle that potential void? I mean, some people, their professional career is their career and they just don't really have a life outside of that. And so if, if something's taken away from them due to injury or whatever it is, uh, they just are lost, and I'm not sure what to do. So we'll we'll, we'll cover that as well as we want to talk about uh, your first wife, Kathy, who was in the uh, clip. So so glad she was um, with you with some of those winnings. And then of course Donna, I'd love to hear the story. I want I want the listeners to hear the story about how God directed you and Donna together as well. So that that we'll look forward to that, and be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. I'm Mike Miller. Glad to have you with us today. So we are talking to uh, Bart Bryant today and talking about what it's like like on the uh, the tour, PGA tour, that uh, we don't get to hear much about behind-the-scenes type things. But, of course, if you've got a question for me, you can always send that to me at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Or if you missed the first half and you want to listen to this particular program again, you go to talkingmoneyradio.com and click on the the, the radio part, and uh, it'll take you right to the archives 
where you can listen to this one, plus if pretty much any other topic of financial planning that you can think of, we've probably talked about it, so you can do a search for that as well. So uh, welcome, Bart, back again, and we talked a little bit about, for the break, about the uh, injuries that you've had over the years, and uh, and then, you know, a lot of people, their, their, their career and their life are so intertwined that when the career is gone, we know of many, many people that uh, when they can't do a particular thing anymore, they just fall apart and they're just not sure what to do because um, they really don't have, I don't think, a, a bigger purpose in life. Um, so how are, how are things, what's your status now and uh, are we going to see you back on there soon or we don't even know yet? <laughs> I don't even know yet. That, that, uh, you know, I've had... Gosh, I think this is what was my seventh or eighth surgery. But, you know, golfers, we beat up our, our, our bodies pretty good. I'm actually out right now. I've been out for a while uh, with a with a wrist injury. I actually had two wrist surgeries in 10 and 11. I was out for three years. I had about a 50% fusion. But I actually, it's, uh, my wrist has deteriorated so much more over the last eight years. I had to have a total wrist fusion. So, uh, whether I will be able to perform the golf swing with this new wrist, I really don't know, and I probably won't get to test it out till probably beginning of next year. I'm just yeah. starting yeah. slow rehab. I'll get to some strengthening late, later, and we will we will certainly um, see at that point. But uh, hey, if not, I'm I'm ready to, to do something else. If there's more golf in my future, I'd love it, and, and if there's not, I'm that's okay too. Yeah, you seem to be well grounded in that way, and I think that's uh, part that has to do with your your own personal beliefs and your um, belief that God's in control of these things, and and you you take what He gives you, and you understand it's uh, He's uh, the one that's in charge. So tell us, and this really applies to your um, first marriage and your children who were shown in that video clip, uh, Kathy. So talk to talk to us a little bit about uh, Kathy, and then uh, we'll switch to. How um, you found or God directed you to Donna? Well, I mean, you know, I could talk about Kathy all day long. She was my, she was my childhood sweetheart, if you want to say that. We we actually went on our first little dance date when I was in the seventh, seventh grade. Believe oh, really? Yeah, sounds like uh, me. <laughs> but I, oh man, but I, you know, I loved her uh, growing up, and we actually got married our um, sophomore year of college. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, yeah, so I got I got married pretty young, and and I tell you what, she she was amazing. Um, you know, like I said, my career really didn't, in some ways, didn't start until I was in my forties. At least the successful part of my career. Right. And she had every opportunity and every right along the way to say, Bart, hey, we we've given this a shot. We need some security. We need to do something else. But you know, she was always willing to work. If she needed to to help support my golf habits, she always said, "Bart, I think you you're good enough to do it." And uh, you know, it's funny when I got there in, in '03 after I had kind of had a a talk with Brian and and alluded to some of the other things and was going to buy him this belief that I was good enough to be one of those guys. I talked to Kathy. And I said, "Kathy, you've got to quit work and you've got to travel with me full time, and this is who I've got to be as a golfer." And uh, not that I wasn't a golfer before. But I don't know that I had, you know, like put my neck on the line. Yeah, fully committed. This is fully committed. What we're going to do? I said we're going to, you know, this this ship is going to sink on fire. It's going to it's going to sell with the wind. And um, you know, and she said let's do it. So she has, you know, so we we really committed, and I needed her with me. I really did. I played for years, and she was with me some. 
and and not with me a lot. And uh, you know, there's those surgeries were actually good times for me because it forced me to be home with my family, which was great. But I missed her. I missed the girls. And I said, if I, if I'm going to give it the absolute best shot, and I'm 40 years old now, I've got to have you with me. And so we committed to that. And you know, she she was unbelievable. She really was. And unfortunately, um, she she contracted a brain tumor and it was glioblastoma stage four and she passed away. Uh, you know, it only took her about a year from diagnosis. Uh, but just an amazing, amazing godly woman who, um, you know, she, she was in love with Jesus. I tell you what she spent, you know, every morning she, she spent an hour, um, on the couch and, and read and prayed. And I think, you know, I think that's one reason why, you know, I was able to do what I did and, uh, our family was able to have some success with that we really had a mom that and, and a wife that really prayed for us and loved the Lord. And that's great. Yeah, that's great. Didn't take anything yeah. So she passed away, and you felt like that was probably it. There was no remarriage in your life, I think. You weren't uh, even really trying to look much. And then uh, God said, no, we got something different for you. We've got another lady over here who also doesn't want to get the planning on getting married again because her husband passed away and you guys yeah. uh, miraculously got put together. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You say that to some degree. I mean, I think at least in my heart, there was all, you know, and Kathy and I talked and, and uh, you know, there, there was always room in my heart for somebody else. I know that sounds weird uh, for Donna. Not so much. She really didn't think she'd get married again or have the desire to, um, but you know, we got, we, God miraculously got us together and, um, and I'll be honest with you. I was, I was looking, I was looking for somebody who didn't have kids in the stable. <laughs> they were gone. I had yeah. raised kids. I didn't want to do that. And she's quite a bit younger than me, but, but she had kids very early, had two kids, wonderful, wonderful kids. And they, they both have one child now. We have seven, um, we have seven grandchildren. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when I started listing the things of like, God, if, if I could have this, if I could have this, if I, you know, and I'm like, I know this is not, I know this list is not doable, <laughs> but let me, let me, let me throw it out there anyways, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden Donna was all of this and more. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be more grateful. You know, one, one cool thing that we, you know, I, I think we and I had talked about maybe when we played golf out of Kings Point was that, you know, I was able to win on the Champions Tour. I was able to win twice uh, in 13 and 18. I was able to win the exact same tournament, the Dick's Invitational. Well, one time I, I won with Kathy, and that was my last win of our marriage. And then after Don and I got married, married, I was able to win it again. And I kind of mm-hmm. wondered when I got married. You know, I wanted Donna. Donna wasn't a, a golf girl at all. She didn't understand it. And so she had to be introduced to golf. And I really wanted her to, you know, it is this a want of mine, and it didn't have to be fulfilled, but it was a want, and God gave it to me anyway. I wanted her to, like, get this feeling of what it's like yeah. to win. Uh, a P- Although it was a PGA Tour Champions event, it's still kind of a big deal. There's still a lot of the people there, and I made a putt on the last ball, and it was kind of a big deal. But uh, for her just to get to experience a glimpse of what the PGA Tour was like, and it was so cool for me. And maybe it's just my ego. I don't know what it was, but God allowed allowed us to have this shared event together. And it's so cool that I shared on that same green five years earlier. I shared it with yeah. Kathy. Five years later, I shared it with Donna. And both experiences are just so amazing. And God gave me 
the two most amazing wives you could ever imagine. Yeah, that's that's pretty special, and it gave her uh, an appreciation. Maybe it gave her a little itch. Uh, not enough that she's uh, actually uh, started to play golf. I don't think. <laughs> Right? Not yet. No. Not okay. yet. But, uh, There's still you know, hope. You, you, you keep on coming down here with your wife. I'll see if I can get her on the range to hit a few balls. We might try it. So. That's right. Well, we'll look forward to that uh, very much so. And, and that means that you'll you'll be back playing again, at least recreationally, if not if not professionally. Um, so, yeah, I wish we had more time to talk about how you guys actually met, but that's a neat story as well. But we we do want to talk some about money before it's before it's all over with. Although we could talk about the the family lives and golf for 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 a lot longer than than we have time on the air. Uh, but we're almost coming up to our our uh, last break. But uh, to set this up a little bit, we don't talk about money. So I want you to talk a little bit about what you remember learning about money. When you were growing up, so as you were a, a, a teenager, as you were a young adult, uh, I know your situation, as you as you've told me and shared with me, was similar to mine in the sense that you know, the parents didn't have really any money. My dad was a uh, pastor, five kids, and we just didn't have money. So you you grow up in that environment, it makes you appreciate uh, when you finally do have some success in that. Uh, so, uh, we're gonna go ahead and go to the break. It'd be a good time. And so we come back from this break, we'll start, kick off with, uh, what kinds of experiences you remember, what are some of the things that you learned younger, and then as you got older, and finally, uh, had some success and, and made some money, uh, you know, what to do now. So we'll talk about that. Of course, if you've got a question for me, you can't call in today. We're not taking calling questions, but you can always send a question to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Mike, at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Or if you'd like to call me at the office, our number at the office is 800-588-PLAN or 7526. 800-588-7526. Love to speak with you if you think that we may be able to be of help to you. We might be a good fit to help you with your financial planning, investment management, and so forth. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so after this break, we'll wrap it up with uh, Bart Bryan and talk uh, some more about uh, the philosophies of money. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 Five eight eight seven five two six. That's one eight hundred five eight eight seven five two six. Now back to talking money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We have about ten minutes left in the program today. My special guest, Bart Bryant, is a PGA professional tour winner and just a, a great guy. I've gotten to know him uh, a lot better over the last year and a half, and we've talked about his story up to this point. And now we want to shift gears a little bit and and get some um, some philosophies and maybe some good tidbits about money. So before the break, Bart, I was talking about asking you what 
kinds of lessons did you learn about money when you were growing up, uh, even though, uh, like me, it wasn't uh, a, a wealthy growing up time period. So there's, there's different uh, things that you learn, uh, and maybe it's even more important to, to grow up that way sometimes because uh, you appreciate it when you, when you finally get some resources that God's blessed you with. So what are some lessons you learned when you were growing up, and who taught you those lessons? Well, uh, you know, like you said, my, my education <laughs> has really been – uh, from my 40s into, you know, I'm 57 now. But when I think back on my childhood years, uh, and you mentioned this, we, we didn't have much money. My mom worked full time. My dad was a pastor. My mom worked so her two boys played golf, honestly. And, uh, money was not something we talked about a whole lot, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, but I saw a couple of things and I, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that my mom and dad tied. Even though my dad was the pastor of the church, he gave back his tithes to that church. And that's something that has always stuck with me. And no matter how much the Kathy and I made or where we were, whatever we did, we always tithed. And for some reason, that was just something that was always extremely important to me. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is although we didn't have a lot, my dad was very generous. Uh, when we would go play golf with somebody or we would, Stop by the Sonic or, or whatever it was. My dad was always picking up a check or just going out to coffee. I noticed that he was very generous and always trying to. Uh, now, you know, my mom and dad were were not great with money, and they'll admit that. And they they figured it out late in life. Actually, after I went to college, they moved to um, to South Dakota. He was the director of evangelism for the Northern Plains Southern Baptist Convention for. 18 years up there, and that's when he got his finances straight. And they really sacrificed um, to to get a retirement, and um, and they've done that. In fact, my mom passed away um, about eight days ago, and there was a little. My dad had passed away about five years ago, but my mom passed away, and honestly, there was a little bit left. And it's just an amazing testament to what they did later in life. And they didn't say, you know, it was never too late. They said, hey, yes, even into our 50s, you know, we've, we've got to do something now. We've got to get serious. And they did. But my education came a little bit later when I actually got some money. No doubt about it. But, you know, it was a great reminder for me to remind everybody listening that uh, some of what you learned, a lot of what you learned was by observation. It wasn't necessarily they didn't have to actually teach you something, but you watched and you learned. And our kids watch us and learn even financial habits from what we do and maybe what we don't do. So I think that's an important to reminder. So, yeah, so then later on you finally won some tour events and uh, and had a little bit of money in your pocket. So now what, huh? <laughs> that's right. So I won in 04, obviously twice in 05, came into, you know, I won, oh, you know, a little bit over $3 million in 05 and, uh, and then started to ramp, you know, even had good years beyond that through 2008. So, you know, in about a five-year span I made some – I made – good money. But fortunately, when I got money immediately, I had a couple of good friends who said, okay, Bart, this is what you got to do. I had a great manager. And uh, he hooked me up with a guy named Zach Fulmer with Ron Blue. And um, I had known Zach before. Zach and I became very good friends. I know Zach loves me. He loves my family. He loves the Lord. He's going to watch out for me. I don't know a lot about money. I still don't know a lot about investments and finance, but I know I have a guy who loves me, who loves my family, who loves the Lord, who's going to watch out for my best interests. And so I've put a lot of faith and trust in Zach over the years, and I tell you, it's been it's been a great investment, um, you know, and a great friendship. 
and I wouldn't do anything different. But I'm telling you, just just to have people in my life that that were willing to step up and say, okay, Bart, you have money now. Let's make sure we do the right thing with it. It can, it can go fast, and it can. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, if you yeah. don't do it right, it can. And, and <laughs> that's right. And so I had a, I had some, I have a lot of wisdom. Zach, Zach's an amazing guy. I was, you know, I, I had, and I don't know if, if, you know, maybe some other listeners can identify with it, but I came into money fast. And this is going to sound weird, but I felt like I had plenty to give away. I had, there would always be more coming or, in some ways, I felt like that was my responsibility to give it away. And and actually, at some point, Zach had to say, Bart, I love that you love to give your money away. But what what kind of stewardess, stewardship would it show if later in life, with all the resources that God has given you, you know, that your daughters or somebody else would have to come in and take care of you financially? God has given you plenty. you got to be smart. It's good. It's good to give your money. And give it appropriately and give it timely. Um, but, you know, all of that has a healthy balance. And so someone like Zach can help you understand that. I love that, you know, they have the biblical perspective and they're about giving, but they're also about managing and knowing that this needs to last you the rest of your life. And nobody else needs to take care of you. God has given you too much for that to happen. Yeah, we've had several clients that we've had to have that same conversation with. And just as perspective, so Zach Fulmer is the managing director of the Orlando, Florida office of Ronald Blue Trust. He's my counterpart. I'm the managing director of the Greenville office. And we've only been with Ronald Blue Trust for about a year and a half, but have grown to appreciate and love those guys and, and, and see what you see as a true heart for the client and a true desire to make sure that, that, um, each client is being the best steward they can with the resources God has uh, allowed them to have. And, and that's something that's a very important reminder that none of this stuff is ours. And God gives it to us, but we're stewards of it, which means we don't own it. But it, it should give us a different perspective on how we treat other people, how we treat our family, how we treat our, our funds, because we know we're just the steward over that, those funds. We don't own it. And I think that's, that's something that you certainly uh, have. Uh, I'm going to appreciate that about you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. you got to hold it loosely, right? Um, I was, it's funny, I was thinking about, I think there's a verse in um, James that says, uh, the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich man can fade away even while he goes about his business. So, you know, there are no promises, you know, but we do our best to invest and build and save for for a life um, of I hate to say plenty, but a, but a life of sufficiency that will carry us through to the end. And but you hold on loosely because there's no guarantees, you know. But uh, I love that I have people in my life that are helping me accomplish that. But at the same time, like you said, it's all God, so we hold on. We hold on to it loosely. I remember not that long ago when we're having the financial crisis and people were so nervous about their investments going down and so forth, and and Ron Blue. Uh, the the man himself, Ron, he he said. I heard him say that. Well, you know, if you're that nervous about it, just give it all away, and then you then you won't have to worry about it. <laughs> so yeah, but you can do that to an extreme. But uh, you know, I think the point was the point was well made. So uh, even though you've got this some uh, good financial success over the years, um, so Zach and his relationship is still important, even with some uh, changes you're making now. So talk to to uh, listeners about that. 
Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I think you and I had talked briefly before that we're we're actually building a new home. We um, we got to the point where I knew that I was at the end of my career or uh, getting very close, and uh, I think both Don and I really wanted to live on the water, whether it was the intercoastal here in Florida or or maybe a nice lake, and um, and so we we began to talk with with Zach and a couple other folks that worked with Zach, and and became to come up with a budget that was appropriate for us. Um, now we could spend a lot more on a house and maybe be okay, but but we were fairly conservative and we told Zach that's how we we want to look at it, and so he said I think this is an appropriate amount for you to spend, and I'll be honest with you, we couldn't go over to the intercoastal and get a really nice house on that budget, but we could go to a nice lake and you know in, here in Central Florida and build a nice house on that lake and build a dock and have a boat, and um, you know so. We could have shot the moon and maybe gone somewhere else and spent a little more money, and we may be okay. But but you just never know. So I think you plan accordingly. You get somebody who's really smart, who is, and and in my estimation, I want somebody who's fairly conservative. And he looked at that and he took that in consideration. And we met and we all talked about it. And and his two associates and him said this would be appropriate for what you need to do at this time. And it was. It's plenty. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. love it. We're, we're getting, we're getting to build, you know, a really cool house on a, on a really nice lake with a dock and we're going to have the boat. And we'll probably have the jet ski and it's, a, it's a life. Uh, it's an amazing life that God has allowed us to live and we don't take it for granted. And, um, you know, I know not everybody gets that. And, um, you know, I always remember that how fortunate I am to later in life to, to have that to, you know, to be able to live that lifestyle. And honestly, part of it was because Zach was so smart in those early days, and he helped me have the perspective to save it, invest it, and not yeah. blow it on yeah. things that I wanted to blow it on when I first started. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So now you have a place that you can set up there and just hit balls in the water, and it won't matter. <laughs> that's right. If I miss the lake, I need to quit life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Well, Bart, I really appreciate you joining me today and sharing some of your life story and some of your philosophies on money. It's been very helpful for our listeners today. We're just about out of time. Any final 10-second uh, words? Well, get, get back to Central Florida, and we'll play another round of golf. All right, that's it. Uh, won't be so cold this time. <laughs> it was yeah. too cold last time, so we'll, we'll get it, it better. All right, have a great weekend, Bart. Thanks again for be, being with me on Talking Money. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.